Welcome to tonight's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. We have artist Andy Bennett here. And uh, Andy, I've known you for a long time, it feels like. Probably close to 20 years, I think, somewhere in that ballpark. Because I remember you being at like every convention I was at for the longest time. Now you're at every convention that I'm not at because I can't do conventions <laughs> hardly at all anymore. So, Andy, I like to uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, gosh, I don't know. I, I started doing this um, comic book art business in about 1995 professionally. Um, you know, I did it all through high school and stuff just for fun, but uh, started getting published and stuff in 95. And um, so worked uh, initially with the Caliber in Michigan with Gary Reed, uh, which was good times. Um, did a lot of, lot of books for them over a lot of years. And um, uh, gosh, I went on to do some stuff with White Wolf Games. I did a whole lot lot of role-playing game art at that time too uh steve jackson games and atlas games and uh oh gosh moonstone too right well moonstone went on the moonstone books after that doing the vampire the white wolf uh things with moonstone a couple of those and um some kolchak stuff with moonstone um anyways yeah i i try to keep busy doing that kind of stuff whenever I can. Maybe, you know, uh, one good project a year, hopefully. I don't, I, don't, I don't try to overload myself. I'm a little picky about what, you know, kind of projects I take. So uh, yeah. I, I don't do a lot, but uh, enough to keep me busy. All right. This, this is the one thing I always ask every, every artist I've ever interviewed going way back to when. Um, the reason you got into comics is Jack Kirby and why. Uh, <laughs> it's every it's artist. Funny, it's it's always Jack Kirby and insert you know Frank Frazetta, Steve Ditko, uh, Wally Wood, uh, yeah. all those guys. Um, I didn't honestly. Um, you know, I, I was I was a comic book kid from you know when I was tiny, just a little guy getting them off the spinner rack in the drugstore like everybody. Um, and I, I really didn't have a taste for Kirby back then. It, it, it didn't grab me in the early days. I, it wasn't until I started actually, you know, doing this stuff in earnest myself that I could really appreciate, you know, what he'd accomplished. And so now it's all about, it's all about Kirby. A lot of people, it's, it's either a Kirby or Ditko thing, and I'm not a Ditko fan, so it, it's, all, it's all Kirby for me. Well, my whole thing with Jack Kirby was, was when I was young, like you, I didn't get it. I thought he was blocky. I didn't think, and then, um, cause all we ever got was the, you know, cause by the time, you know, I was really reading comics, he was almost pretty much retired at that point. Um, yeah. you know, cause what he left Marvel at what, like 73 and, uh, did the whole DC thing. And then, came back for a brief run in the late 70s early 80s with uh, like black panther and stuff like that i was little little and you know i liked my uh uh you know i like neil adams and and uh sinkovich before he got all abstract when he was on moon Knight in the beginning of it and stuff but like he was that. doing neil adams impersonation yeah and uh i was like i like steve giffen until he decided to 
uh, or Keith Giffen, Steve Giffen, uh, Keith Giffen before he started getting really uh, uh, into his own thing. I loved his run on like um, uh, Legion of Superhero stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, oh yeah. So you've, you've been working for, you know, since 95, you, that was like, how are you, that was like right out of high school, wasn't it? Uh, it's a few years out of high school, but close. Yeah. Um, that was right after I graduated from college, actually. So. Yeah, I was gonna say you're roughly my age, I think I'm, I'm, I just turned 47. So I just turned 50. You're sure, as I say, I knew we were pretty close. But Very uh, close. yeah, now I, I now I'm going to ask you this question because I was told you I was going to ask you. Okay, you and Dave have always been at every convention together, side by side, for as long as I can remember. Which yeah. came first, the friendship or uh, the appearances at conventions together, side by side? Well, I we met each other in art school first in '91. Um. You know, anybody who's ever, you know, seen or met Dave knows how he doesn't know any strangers. He, he will engage with anybody at any time. Oh, yeah. And he uh, is a workaholic. Everybody knows that, too. So he never left his dorm room. Um, his dorm room was right next to the stairwell that I had to use to get to my dorm room. And he was always in there. And so I was walking by his door, you know. 10 times a day and he's always there. And so he knows everybody who lived on my floor because we all had to walk right past his door to get in there. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of an acquaintance really at that point. And then later on, right after I got out of uh, college, I was working at a comic book shop, um, Central City Comics, God bless it, um, right here in Columbus. And I was there for a few years. Um, which is where I made most of my industry networking, uh, you know, connections at the time, which was great. But um, he uh, was dating a girl who lived nearby. Um, and he was actually living in Cincinnati at the time, but he would come up to visit his girlfriend. And while he was up here visiting his girlfriend, he would come to the uh, comic book shop where I worked and we would just, you know, job endlessly. Uh, because he didn't, you know, besides, besides uh you know the his girlfriend he didn't have anybody else really in columbus to hang out with or anything so uh we we spent a lot of hours just chewing the fat at the uh, comic book shop once a week and um you know at that point i had already started um doing the conventions with caliber um they'd bring me up to motor city and the mid ohio and stuff like that and so um you know, I was able to help him get into the whole Comic-Con thing from that angle. And, uh, and that's, that's about where we are now. So <laughs> it, like I said, it's funny. Cause like I said, you guys have always been like side by side for as long as I can remember that. That explains why it's like, cause I remember going up to Motor City Con back in the day. I remember the caliber booth. I remember picking stuff up from you guys back in the day, probably long before I ever really knew who you were. Um, I think, you know, I think we met oh, geez, probably through Jesse, maybe, or uh, uh, Gem City, I believe. Probably when Gem City started, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's it's one of the things is that, you know, everybody goes, oh, you know, you got to, it's kind of a tight-knit community, 
in this like the whole comic book scene and the whole nine yards and and uh you can't get nobody past anybody else because everybody knows okay if i don't know them then this guy knows them and then i know that guy yeah. and then <laughs> yeah, I, it's uh, a big extended family it's it's all less than six degrees of separation yeah oh yeah it, it's it's bad is is that I, I was telling tina a while back i go well you know i have my my con friends that i see at every convention and stuff like that i talk to all you guys and stuff like that and i was like yeah i only see them a few times a year but you know when all this whole pandemic hit you know it was almost a year and a half before i got to see anybody and it was like man yeah. i got to see you know i was like i come home i was like i got to see everybody i got to say hi at least and, and <laughs> like because you know it's, it's it weird cool. that, you know you can go that long you know, because I, like I said, I only got to see you guys maybe four times a year. But when you go that long, it's like, man, I miss those guys. You know, this bullshit and talking to you guys and hanging out. And yeah, it's a, uh, you know, you, you're one of the you're one of the few that have has actually done an appearance in my shop. And uh, yeah, back in the day, and uh, you, uh, I think you, you were you were still doing autocross back then. Are you still doing that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I just uh, won my class again this season. We ended it uh, in in early August, so the season's over for now. Yeah, I I, I keep staring because I keep working on my car when I get chance, which I haven't got to work on it in forever. But um, you see that show that's on I think Discovery Channel, Getaway Driver. No, no, look it up when you get a chance. It's it's a okay. show hosted by Michelle Rodriguez. And literally these people that do autocross and stuff like that with their cars, you race for money. And if you can get away from the cops, you get to keep the money. Nice. And All right. so it's, it's, it's in one of them like, uh, you know, a movie set probably, but yeah, you got to try to outdrive yeah. the cops and everything else. So get that, get that heist angle. That's cool. Yeah. You're literally the first person I thought of. I was like, man, it's like, I see Andy out there, but then he'd probably like, because these people are like hitting shit with their cars and stuff and i'm like yeah no i was like i'll do it with my car right the, the engine runs great i was like the body look is all beat to hell because it's an old camaro but i'll drive the shit out of that thing. <laughs> yeah oh man no i'll have to check that out i gotta write that down yeah and, and um there was one that was on netflix and that was basically um uh american uh, like ninja warrior for cars that's the best way I can explain I did, it. I did watch that one, yeah. Yeah. So, but okay. Um, you work for Caliber. What? What's some of the? What's your first book you did for Caliber? First, well, I um, the first couple of things were just short stories for uh, Negative Burn. You know, Negative Burn was great. It they went fifty issues of that thing, and it was, um, you know, for anybody who's not familiar with it, there were probably eight stories in every issue and yeah, they were random. all over the map they didn't have yeah they didn't have a theme really at all they just uh they just published uh, joe pruitt edited just published stuff that he liked that he thought was good and um so i did a one pager that was in number 19 issue 19 and then i did a another follow-up like a five pager or something that was an issue 25 maybe or 29 i don't know i ended up having like three or four um stories in negative burn over the course of things uh but the very first you know thing with any kind of substance i did was um 
with Gary uh, Reed, who was the editor and publisher of Caliber. Um, he really liked my work and he had, a, he had a pet project that he'd been trying to get to happen for a long, long time. And, uh, and he asked me if I wanted to do it. And, you know, you don't say no to Gary. He's, no. he's, he's the guy, you know? So, so uh, you know, I signed on to this thing. It was called, uh, it, it, it ran in a um, four issue kind of mini series. It was called um, High Caliber. I remember and it was a there were two there were two stories in each issue and Gary and me did the only story that ran throughout the entire series so we did a four part you know 25 29 pages per issue so it was a full length comic that were double sized issues um and the story's called Ghost Sonata and it was really really off the wall really gothic uh very dramatic um, not uh, not typical comic stuff at all. It was based on a play because uh, Gary was like super literary guy, you know, and that was his jam, you know. So he'd been trying to adapt this play into a comic. We did this thing, Ghost Sonata, and um, it was it was insane. I had no idea how, you know, that was like my first project, and and it was I, I don't even know if I could do it now because just. Now knowing then what I you know knowing now knowing what I know now, I would just like draw myself into a corner within like two pages, and I would just be completely lost. So luckily, I kind of didn't know what I was doing, so I just you know got in and just dived in and, and swam, you know. Yeah, it was ignorance so is bliss. Uh, yeah, we did this thing, and it was it ended up being uh, 120, 120 pages or something like that, and it's been collected into a. Uh, paperback and stuff and uh it's not it's not terrific you know it's you know again it's, again, it's my very first uh you know long form published work i think I, I started it in 98 or so um and but there's a lot of stuff that i did i look back on it and, and i think i would never do that this way now and i'm kind of it's kind of cool that i did it that way you know there's a lot of storytelling things that i did that uh you know, now I I think I would probably try and find a shortcut around. But uh, at that time, I, I was I, I didn't know the shortcuts, so I wasn't taking shortcuts. So I was going out there and doing the long form work. You know, it, it's cool to see, to go back and look at it now and think about, you know, putting my head from today into that brain space from back then and, and see how differently it would have turned out. Well, what's funny about like, I, I I think I, I love how you're you're talking lovingly about like your some of your first work. I've talked to so many artists over the years and presented some of them with their earliest artwork that hate it. It's <laughs> like yeah, um, was it Dale Cowan the guy did Hulk and Pitt? The Hulk, yeah. I went to a convention with him because I found like his early early work in like a dollar box. It was porn comics. <laughs> And I took him to him and he just looks at him. He looks at me and he goes, what do you need for these? <laughs> and I went, what? And he goes, I don't want these ever out. He goes, what would it take for you not to walk away from this table with those? And I was like, I, I don't know. He just starts handing me stuff. He signs, like I got like a pit number one, some hulks that were high dollar at the time signed. And I'm like, that'll work. 
<laughs> just run with to them. destroy these yeah um my uh well, one of my favorite stories is uh yeah when john Byrne used to always do mid-ohio mm-hmm. every year um he was really kind of a jerk to a lot of people and um sometimes yeah and uh i went and found out because i think it was in wizard or something like that they, he said like his 10 books that he ever regrets doing artwork on I literally went and found all 10 of those books and I took them to him at mid Ohio the next year. And you can just see the oh, look man. on his face. He goes to sign the first one and he just looks at me. He sets it aside and he signs the second <laughs> one and he puts it aside and then he stops and then he like flips through the other ones and he just, and you see the, the <laughs> anger go across his face and then he just, yeah. And he's kind of threw them back across the table at me. <laughs> Like he knew that I had read that and I brought because it was like wheelie and a chopper bunch. Uh oh yeah, yeah. Early stuff. Um, and it was all because of what he did to one kid while I was there. Uh some little kid tried to get a, a signed picture. Did John Burns sketched this picture? And then the kid didn't have any money because this kid was like, I don't know, like seven or eight, you know, little kid. Mm-hmm. And then John Byrne proceeds to auction off the piece oh, when the kid had no money in front of the little kid. And I was like, uh, so I can appreciate his artwork. I still love it to this day, but he's still a jerk. So it's a little low. I don't know. I, you know, I all the interactions I ever had with him were perfectly fine, perfectly pleasant. See, I'd never. And had I saw one. some. I saw some people who were actually being really rude to John. Um, but I, I, I never actually witnessed any, uh, you know, anything like that out of him. But uh, you know, I, I guess I've heard stories though. Um. You know, I've seen like one year somebody went up with like the Marvel Monopoly and he's like, can you sign this? And he looks at it and he looks all around. And he goes, I didn't do any artwork on this. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm just getting everybody to sign it. You know, it's Stan Lee and all the people who've ever worked at Marvel signed in the middle of the, uh, the board. And he goes, yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't do any work on this. I'm not signing it. And, you know, he's like, oh, oh OK. And, you know, just kind of then he's like, guy trying to give me a sign something. A guy tried to bring up a lunchbox, get the old Marvel lunchbox shortly thereafter. Same mm-hmm. thing. He wouldn't sign that either. It's signed by like 40 other artists. Wouldn't sign it because he didn't do any artwork yeah. on it. So. Yep. He's a, he's one of a kind. Yeah. He's, 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 an, he's, a, he's a, oh, a person onto himself, I guess. Yeah. But, um, you know, and it, we'll get back to, sorry, the derail a little bit. I always do this. You know, when you worked for Caliber, it was funny because I always thought your artwork looked similar to like Vince Locke and who was working at Caliber, I believe at the same time, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was, he was there earlier than I was, but we were both, uh, yeah, working with Caliber at the same time. I was working on some issues of um, St. Germain. Uh, Vince did the first four issues and I think I did five and six uh, with Gary. And I follow, had to follow Vince on that, which was ridiculous, but oh, oh well. Well, um, you guys talk about Gary. Um, I interviewed Gary for like my old uh, public access show I did years upon years ago. Yeah. And for the longest time after that, he would send me like a signed book or something else at Christmas time. Oh, wow. So I got like, I got a whole bunch of old signed like trade paperbacks and books and stuff like that because I just, Randomly, one in the mail, Christmas time. Gary thanking me, and I was like, "Okay." 
and so but uh you know i i i became a fan of your stuff because actually i didn't get into the 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 caliber stuff till later because didn't know it was your work at the time till later but uh i got into when you started doing the work for um the basically white wolf when you started doing the vampire comics and the and the uh yeah that's when i really started getting into your artwork because you were uh working with some other people I really like, like Brad Street and stuff like that at the time. And, and, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, that was, uh, you know, I actually got to meet the Guy Davis at, at that point too. Guy, Guy did a ton of work with White Wolf and that's why, you know, I approached them in the first place because, you know, I was just, you know, because I was familiar with Guy's work with White Wolf and Vince too. And so, uh, you know, I got uh, got in contact with them and, and got a whole lot of work through White Wolf for their game guides. So. Yeah. Oh, that was another person I thought you were similar to was Guy Davis, and you already brought that up. But now, did you when when you found your style? Did you look at other people and go, "Yeah, I want to draw like that," or were you just like, "This is me. This is how I'm drawing." Um, I don't know. I think that that that. The, the one the one book that I that I looked at and I'm like man I want to draw like that was uh, Cages from Dave McKean uh, Kitchen Sink published or Tundra yeah. back in the early days maybe but you know that's 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 Dave McKean you can't do that so I I did my best and I think that's just trying to I, that's where a lot of people kind of develop their style is that they try to draw like somebody else and then you end up finding your own voice in that way that's you know it's kind of how Sienkiewicz did with this whole Neil Adams thing in the beginning and then you know eventually outgrew that and started you know being Bill Sienkiewicz so yeah I, re I remember meeting him finally having to ask how to pronounce his last name yeah <laughs> I'm sure he gets that a lot if I felt stupid I'm like I'm sorry I know you've probably been asked this a million times how do you pronounce your last name <laughs> he's like I get it I do all right it's Ten times a day, every day. Yeah, I have. I had so many, so many like you know influential artists that I was always you know trying to emulate. But McKean was the big one, and uh, um, I, I love looking at Paul Pope. And um, who else? I mean, Frank Miller. Frank Miller was probably the one guy that got me into superhero comics in the first place when i was a little kid daredevil was uh, he was on his daredevil run and that stuff with terry austin was just amazing and it still is you know it's freaking beautiful yeah, I, I i literally still sell that stuff to this day yeah <laughs> sold, sold some today so yeah it's amazing stuff all right um if you could do like any book, somebody like one of the big one of the big ones came up to you and go, "We want to put you on a book. Which book do you want to do? What book would you want to do?" Oh man, I just I want to work with Gaiman. I want to I want to do Sandman. That, that that I think I think if you did that, it would be phenomenal. I mean, because you know, it, it your your style fits that style, and. It's I, I well I think it does I mean I don't know but yeah I'd love to see you working on Sandman. I love that too, man. I uh, I I pretty much had, was was done with comics in the late '80s when uh, when Jim Lee started uh, X Men and Chris Claremont left, 
I just quit reading comics. I didn't care anymore. I was could not be bothered with this Jim Lee stuff. And what did he do to Psylocke? And what's going on here? This is terrible. And uh, so later on, the thing that got me back in was was Vertigo. Um, specifically, it was probably the uh, first uh, death miniseries that Chris Pachalo did with Gaiman. And that was that's so, so beautiful and so expressive. And, you know, his kind of inking style was really speaking to me. So it, it, they, they pulled me back in. Yeah, that, that, that I remember uh, my wife didn't collect comics. I let her read Death, The High Cost of Living, mm-hmm. and she fell in love with it. Yeah. And I was like, it's, 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 I, I don't think Neil Gaiman, you know, he doesn't write for comics. He writes for people to just put this in their head and then that's what they, what comes out. But absolutely. He's really got a gift um, to, to, to really connect with readers. You know, I think there's a lot of people who are so, a lot of writers who are so entrenched in the whole comic book mindset, the comic book ethos, that that's who they're writing to. And it's kind of becomes that echo chamber, you know, they're writing inside that bubble, but you know, Neil is kind of one level above all that. He's, he's, he's engaging readers where they are. And good I, stuff. And I, to be honest, I think this is him as a person. I mean, he's just, I, I've met him half a dozen times over the years and really got to have a really, like, I got to ride on a bus with him in like <laughs> 93 to uh um for the the diamond summit in atlanta yeah and me and my buddy mark are sitting across from him and he was just he's literally it's like august in georgia sunglasses black leather jacket 90 degrees outside just this chill english guy you know and it's just and he's just so likable he's just yeah you know you, you can't hear nothing you know, it, it's, he's, he's a good guy, but yeah. yeah I, I think 90, 92, I think was the first time that I had met him at uh, Chicago Comic-Con. Uh, this was right after Vertigo had launched. And uh, so they had Gaiman and um, Garth Ennis and Fabry and Steve Dillon and all those, you know, Grant Morrison and all those, you know, initial Vertigo guys there in attendance. And that was that was one of the first big conventions I ever went to. That was before I even started, you know, attending, you know, as an artist. I just went as a fan, and I got to go to all the panels and stuff, which I never get to do anymore. So that was uh, that was super cool. And I don't think that I have been to a show where Neil has been since then. So it just uh, never worked out. Wow, I I thought for sure. I thought you guys were in. So I remember him doing Motor City, and I, I remember Caliber being there because hmm. I think they were just always there. But right, um, oh, yeah, their offices are you know like uh, three miles away from Novi there. So yeah, ironically enough, I looks like I have a cabin up in Michigan now, and it's mm-hmm. literally like twenty minutes away from Novi. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I miss those good old days of going up to Novi and, and uh, going up to Motor City Con and having a blast up there. And I don't, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't feel the same. I don't know if it's the, just the, the market or whatever, or the, 
I, I don't know. You, you can answer this. I'm, I'm to the point where if, if there's too many media guests, I don't want to go because it's not yeah. a comic book show. It's a pulp. Yeah, it's a pulp and it, the comic book guys kind of get shuffled off to the back and forgotten about. Yeah. And uh, in, in, those, in those early days at Motor City in the 90s, you know, it was a different times back then because it was one of the it was one of the only, you know, larger shows on this half of the United States. And so uh, Marvel set up a publisher booth there. DC had a publisher booth. Dark Horse had a publisher booth. Image had a publisher booth. It was, it was big, big time. And eventually then once we got New York Comic Con and stuff like that, they, that was closer to home. They were, that was their big, you know, blowout show and they didn't really do Motor City anymore. So it, yeah. it kind of changed a lot at that point. That's it, it was Motor City changed. I used to love going to Pittsburgh and uh, always hanging out with uh, Forney and, and uh, Metters and all them guys over there. And yeah, and um, hanging out just it, it was funny because you literally didn't make go five hours away from my house mm-hmm. and still talk to the exact same people I talked to 20 minutes away from my house, right? <laughs> And have fun because I mean, I always thought Pittsburgh was great. Pittsburgh was a comic show. Yeah. And yeah, they yeah, you had your Night of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead guys because literally it was in the parking lot where they filmed it. Right. But um, yeah, it was we we Pittsburgh was uh, was a weird show. It, I I couldn't uh, I couldn't really crack Pittsburgh. I, I went to there for you know a number of years. Dave and I probably went there maybe seven years or something. And it was every year was different. There was some kind of weird curveball, um, but one of the most memorable Pittsburgh cons I was at, I was seated um, right next to Greg Nicotero, and I had no idea who Greg Nicotero was, but everybody else knew who Greg Nicotero was. Yeah. So I had this gigantic mob standing next to my table for the entire weekend, and I just got completely shut out. So that was a, you know, it was not a great weekend, but it was you know memorable for that reason at least. I remember Pittsburgh one year I'm sitting there and I'm going through somebody's like dollar boxes and I hear this voice and it's a distinct voice that you cannot mistake and I'm there going through going through going through and I'm like I look over and Margot Kidder is standing right next to me talking to one of her friends and I'm like I'm like I'm like Lois Lane is right here you know it's like, <laughs> and she was like what are you saying to Lois Lane yeah, she was buying up a, a handful of Superman comics that had Lois Lane on the cover. And I think she was signing them at her, at her booth or whatever. But it was just, you, you don't get that anymore at cons either because they, they try to just push everybody in your own little, you stay here, you stay here, you stay here. Yep, you keep yeah. them behind the curtains. Oh, yeah. Now Somebody it, might take a picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what's your favorite con that you're still doing? I guess probably Heroes Con. I, I, I want to go to Heroes so bad. I've never been. Heroes is fantastic. Heroes is a zero media guest show. It is a 100% comic show. And they, they really know what they're doing. They've been doing it a long time. They've got their formula. It works. And everybody loves it. Now, Darby's always trying to con me into going down there. Yeah, you would have a ball, man. It's 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 a pretty amazing show. Um, 
you know, if, you know, for no other reason than that it is a no media guest show. It's 100% comics. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, I see. Uh, it's very reminiscent of Baltimore. I, I've been Baltimore a couple of times and the vibe is pretty similar, but uh, Charlotte's, I think Charlotte's a cooler place than Baltimore. So. I've I've been to Baltimore and I've never been I've never been to Charlotte so I yeah and <clears throat> yeah you go to Charlotte I like that one I like that show I like you know I, honestly I don't really do shows that I don't like so you know Gem City I love going to Gem City that's always my first con of the year um, Cincinnati Expo I love going to Cincinnati Expo those guys treat us so well and the, the crowd is great down there. Um, I still go to Motor City. It's it's uh, it gets so crowded up there, but uh, there's just something very cool about being in that environment too. So, and it's 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 something I miss, and I I I got to get back to it. But having the shop and everything else like that, it's hard to get away because I can only get away on Sundays. Yep. Or I have to pay somebody to be there all day Saturday. Right. And then if I'm not there, then sales are bad because everybody wants to come in while I'm there. All right. It's 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 finally gotten recently because Mark works there on Thursdays. Thursdays have actually been good days, but back in the day, if people would come in wanting me when he wasn't when I went there, they wouldn't buy nothing off him. They would have to wait till the next day. Right. And so forth and so on. So all right. Um what are you reading right now? What's because you said um you know what, what are you digging right now? Yeah, they, I, 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 I get all my books mail order now. I don't have a local shop really. Um, I, you know, because I used to go like you know on my way to work or whatever, and I would I would hit the comic shop. But now, I work like five miles from home, and there's nothing in my you know on my commute, so I got to go out of my way to go to a comic shop. So I just don't go. I I do mail order, and there's there's really not any regular series stuff that I'm reading right now. The only thing that I always get, um, you know, that, that I super, super enjoy is all the new Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips um, stuff. Uh, Kill or Be Killed or, uh, you know, what else was there? Or Fatal or they've been doing these standalone graphic novels now. They've been called Pulp and one called My um, Heroes have always been junkies and one called Bad Weekend. And there are these self-contained graphic novels. They sell them in these little skinny hardcovers and they're unbelievable. They're so good. I've always thought Brubaker was great. And Sean Phillips is one of my current favorite influential artists on me. And I look at his stuff and just melt, you know, I love it. So Brubaker and Phillips stuff uh, is always at the top of the list. Um, the last series that I bought on a regular basis that uh, has really been great is uh, Killadelphia, uh, Jason Sean Alexander, a kind of vampire uh, book that's just gorgeous. Um, what else? I don't know. That's what comes, comes to the top of my mind right now. What's your, what's your go-to book, the one that you can always go back to? um boy you know cages of course was always there um 
I got all the single issues of those and I have a big hardcover from Kitchen Sink too. Um, Punk Rock Jesus, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy. Um, Ted McKeever's Metropole. I'm looking at my shelf here, trying to pick out some stuff. You know, Sandman is always great. Oh, yeah. Um, boy, Paul Pope, Escapo, THB, anything Paul Pope. I see that gets gets me all charged up, but the energy and his stuff is so good. Now, Frank Miller's Daredevil. Yeah, I was, I just reread some of that stuff a while back. His, uh, the Wolverine run he did. Yeah. And then uh, the Daredevil. Oh, man. All right. If you could work with somebody outside Neil Gaiman, who would you want to work with? I don't know. Probably Brubaker. Like, I liked his run of Criminal, I think. Criminal? Criminal was good, yes. And Sleeper. So much good stuff. And, and Ed, you know, back when I was working at the comic shop, this was like 95. Uh, Brubaker was doing like these kind of real emo uh, indie comics with uh, like black eye books and stuff and uh, those, those were great too you know and then all of a sudden he's doing Wildstorm stuff with Sean Phillips and doing Wildcats and whatnot so that was kind of a bizarre um, change in gears but you could still see the Brubaker in there you know the guy's got a voice he's good yeah the, the, the I've gone back and, and looked at some of these guys, these writers and artists that are on these books that, you know, are very much not comic centric, not superhero esque, you know, whatever. And then you go back and look and find, accidentally find some of their early stuff when they're like, uh, I think I found Grant Morrison writing uh, Action Force, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, I, I had to, I'm sort of reading that and I'm like, I had to go back and look at that. And I went, I had to look it up on the internet. I'm like, did Grant Morrison write Action Force? <laughs> Yes, that Grant Morrison wrote Action Force. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, somebody like Brian Bendis, too. You know, I mean, I've, I met Brian back in 95 whenever I was working at the shop. And he, you know, I did a, uh, I did a pinup for one of his Jinx specials back when he was still at uh, Caliber, one of the last books that Caliber published of his. Um, and he always did the most cool, the coolest, you know, you know, crime comics. And you know, now he's, you know, doing Superman and whatnot, all, all this, uh, you know, high octane superhero event books. And it's, it's so bizarre to think that the guy that used to do, you know, AKA Goldfish is now doing all this stuff. But, and I love it. I love it that it happened that way for him. It, it, it's, it's cool seeing the, 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 the indie guys that, you know, I kind of, I can't say grew up on cause I was, you know, kind of an adult by the time they, that stuff came out, but Man, you know, because I was a superhero kid, and then I started getting into Vertigo because I was always a Swamp Thing fan, and then constantly, yeah. and then you know, I've seen them guys like just blow up and become something just much bigger than that. You, you know, like, you really have any right to be at this point, <laughs> you know? Because I remember Bendis being at all the Ohio cons back in the day. Yeah. You know, you, like all these people, I have a bunch of Bendis signed stuff from years upon years ago, and people are like, "Oh man, where'd you find Bendis?" I was like. 
he used to do Mid Ohio Con every year. You know, yeah, he was from Cleveland, man. He did yeah. all the Ohio shows. Looks well, like um, a friend of mine, Kyle Hotz. He was sitting there, and goes, "Oh, I was like, yeah, I've known Kyle since back when we used to do Diamond or Jubilee shows at Dayton." Back yeah. Then. And yeah, uh, holy cow, we had Jubilee shows out here in Columbus too. Um, I, I was there. Yeah. I, I was a wee but, kid back then. Oh man, no, we. I, I started going. Of course, I didn't move to Columbus until. 91 and so that's when i started going to jubilee shows in columbus but man i get to meet so many cool people you because uh, they used to bring in i mean i met scott hampton at one of these jubilee con, uh, cons you know that's right after uh batman night cries came out I'm like, man this is the coolest i get to meet scott hampton got my night cries autograph oh yeah well, that's, that's funny because we i was there well not 91 92 i was there because yeah. I, uh, I worked for uh, Mark at that time. So Mark working for me now. I worked for Mark back then. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I remember doing the Jubilee shows. And, and we did them because we would do like Dayton on a Saturday and do Columbus on a Sunday. And then do Cincinnati the following week. And then do Toledo or Indiana. Yeah. Every weekend there was a little show. But, oh, man. Yeah, you, you probably met little skinny ass paul back in the day with no with, had no idea no idea it's like talking to jesse who has all the time that we knew each we knew each other but it you know he used to come into dragon's lair when i worked at dragon's lair and never knew each other until years later but, small world man oh it is definitely all right um if you could work in uh any other medium like if you could make a movie write a book what would you do what would you do you know I, I, i've always been kind of interested in in filmmaking and storytelling in comics shares a lot of things with filmmaking as far as you know the way that you edit a film it's the same way that you chop up a story into panels uh you know there's a lot of things that you can do in a comic that you can't do in a movie and vice versa so i think they're kind of cousins and i've always been kind of a film snob anyway when i was in college i worked at a video store so I'm, uh i was kind of a movie nerd um all through college wrote movie reviews for the college newspaper and stuff so you know i guess maybe filmmaking or, or maybe acting um I did a lot of acting in college too. I worked in theater. I, that was kind of not really my, it wasn't in my official minor, but it probably should have been. Yeah. So, you know, any kind of, any kind of theatrical thing, I think is probably my, my fallback. Now, if somebody came up to you with a property, like, okay, we want to do a, you know, Pulp Fiction graphic novel, you know, what, 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 which one would you like to do? What, 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 like movie would you like to do boy good question you know i think probably the most the most vertigo thing to do would be something like train spotting you know oh, man. have that come out like all like outrageous uh 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 philip bond style uh you know train spotting adaptation would be a blast but of course that's a that's a book first anyway so yeah my dog will not leave me alone 
Sorry. <laughs> it's my wife's dog, but it's yeah. I wouldn't. I got. I got the door closed. I got. I've got a uh, a uh, three month old puppy in the house right now that I'm trying to get control of. We got. We got a, 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 a eighteen month old puppy. Yeah, because <laughs> this dog is not growing up. Yeah, we just uh, we just picked up our new puppy uh, about a month ago. She was she was born on my birthday. Uh, at the end of May, so yeah, she's a she's a terror. Yeah, go lay down. Go. She kind of listens. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's funny because you you worked at a what video store did you work for? Local mom and pop or uh, no? Pop? It was a mall store. I worked at a Suncoast. Oh, Suncoast Video. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood Video. Yeah. No, I had a great. We had an excellent excellent staff and you know i'm still in touch with a whole lot of the people that i worked with back then even to this day so um it was it was a very cool time to be in a video store yeah definitely that, at that time you got just all those really just at this point classic movies that have come out you know like i said Paul that was that was kind of when miramax first hit and tarantino first hit it was like i think i worked there from 92 to 95 so you had reservoir dogs and pulp fiction that both came out during that time and you know all that really seminal early 90s stuff yeah uh, uh el mariachi and el mariachi yes uh, holy cow rob rodriguez just getting this getting started there yeah five thousand dollars that's that was that was that's good stuff well it, it's it's funny because it's it's I, i've noticed a lot of people around our age is we we almost i mean we may have come from different backgrounds you know geographically and economically and stuff like that but we all have this like little tight you know we, we've all been into movies uh comics you know artwork and all and and it kind of fits together because you're like okay did is it just that generation or is it you know where we came from or was it actually just that time just happened to fit all of us just happened to be there at the right moment the right time to to hook every one of us yeah it was very much lightning in a bottle i think you know i think once once uh you know the, the internet took over things really changed and we're pretty much the last generation to grow up without internet. Oh yeah. Cause that try to explain to kids that come in my shop that, you know, I couldn't look stuff up on the internet. I had to go to the library. Right. Well, exactly. Right? Go to the micro microfilm, man. What the hell is a microfish? What's microfilm? <laughs> okay. Well you had this card and you stuck in a machine and you looked at it with a, or, or the fact that microscope you, yes yeah you, you or the fact is that you just couldn't watch a movie no exactly yeah what i always love telling people about you know breaking down like coming back from a convention or something bad happened and they're like well, why didn't you call anybody <laughs> uh we didn't have cell phones <laughs> why not they didn't exist yet. <laughs> no they existed yeah. we couldn't afford them <laughs> right I, I didn't have my own cell phone until probably 1998 or something so yeah, about there i um we had the family cell phone right if we traveled right that's what we took with us if for not, emergency purposes 
Oh yeah. And now, you know, how every, everybody in our house has a, has a phone and my kids all have phones and except my little, my youngest one, which surprisingly enough, ain't made, a, ain't made his way down here yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's got a tablet and it, it's, you know, I, I think that's both good and bad that, um, with, with being able to have access to almost all media at any given time. Yeah. You know, I got people that love comics, haven't collected the first issue. They just yeah. read everything online. You're just like, I'm like, right. don't, don't do that. Go purchase the book. Go. And it's, it's the same way with music too. You know, you don't buy albums anymore. You buy a dollar 29 for that single that I like. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Cause you know, going to concerts and stuff, you'd always have people standing around at the end of the show with their CDs or their cassettes or stuff mm-hmm. like that. And nobody does that anymore. You know, you yeah. might be able to buy something at the merch booth and stuff like that, but you don't see actual people doing that stuff. And, uh, depends on the crowd. Now, I did, uh, uh, we, Dave and I went to a concert a couple of weeks ago, saw squeeze and I saw some people carrying LPs around for autographs at the Squeeze concert. But of course, everybody at the Squeeze concert was 45 years old or older. So I, I just went and seen King Crimson. So <laughs> I was the young guy. No, yeah. actually, my son was the young guy. I looked, I looked at Joe and I went, I feel good, Joe. And Joe goes, why? I was like, I'm not the oldest guy here. I hate going to metal shows or whatever. And it's literally like 20 and early 30 years old. And I'm like, I'm almost 50. I'm right. old enough to be every one of yours dads. <laughs> but oh yeah. Now now um what are you listening to today? Well, I mean what yeah, you said you went to the squeeze concert. Yeah, I went to the squeeze concert. That's the first concert I've been to in a long time. Um oh gosh, I I love um you know I still like Rob Zombie. <laughs> I do too. I know you can relate. Um, I, my wife and I have gone seen Black Rebel Motorcycle Club like three times, and we love those guys. Um, oh, gosh, who's really lighting me up these days? So it's been a few years since they put out a new record, but Savages, uh, I just love. It's kind of like um, Susie and the Banshees meets the Dead Kennedys. They're so good. Um, else i mean i still listen to lots of 80s alternative too and i still listen to a lot of punk you know the clash and Bauhaus and Susie and kennedy's and uh cramps and oh gosh what have you what do you listen to while you're drawing that that same kind of stuff um you know i i love uh gorillas too it's one of my favorite more recent bands that, that was the one that threw me the gorillas. It's like, hey, you yeah. know the guy from Blur? That's the gorillas. Yes. What? <laughs> yeah, I love gorillas. Uh, you know, Dave and I went and saw gorillas in, in Detroit a few years ago from the front row. It was just magnificent. There was, you know, of course, two members of the Clash were in the band, and uh, Bobby Womack was there, and it was unreal. It's one of the best concerts I've ever been to. I, that, that's that's one of the ones that I've I've always wanted to go to. I heard it's just it's uh, like a kind of like a all out like almost overload music and animation and, and yeah lots of all the jamie hewlett art on the uh, screen back there lots of animation on the jumbotron behind him yeah it was 
it was something to see. Yeah. Um, it, the, the, like I said, that's when I want to go. And hopefully, hopefully, this is about as, like, next week I'm supposed to go see Atlantis Morissette and Garbage. So, you yeah. know, I'm a metalhead. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll go see that. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Um, what, what do you, do you have any upcoming projects coming out? Oh, well, yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm trying to clear off my commission list right now. Um, it's been rough, I'll tell you, um, with this COVID business and I have to work from home. I haven't been going to the office. So I sit here at my desk and I do my work work for eight hours. And then I go have dinner and I don't want to come back in here to work anymore. So, you know, my commission list is going nowhere. And my comics work is going nowhere so it's been kind of a bummer and it's a real uphill slog trying to get stuff done um so you know now that the convention thing has started back up a little bit it's it's helping because that gives me deadlines i have to get these commissions done for cincinnati you know so that forces me to get some work done um i have got a, a book in progress right now uh, with a friend of mine from uh, from England named Joel Meadows. He's the editor and publisher of uh, Tripwire magazine in England, uh, which they sell in the States too. But um, really smart guy, very talented guy. Um, I met him at a Pittsburgh con back in the mid aughts, you know, 2006 or something like that. And we've been kind of talking about trying to get a thing together for that many years. And just last year, we finally kind of got off our butts and started doing something about it. So um, we've got a couple of uh, short stories going right now, and we are sending out some proposals, trying to find ourselves a publisher, which should happen. Um, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about that. I've got, of course, October is coming up uh, in less than a month now, and I took the year off last year for Inktober after doing it five years in a row. And I'm going to do that again this fall. So I still have to get my list ready for that. So October is just a blur because it's drawing every single day. Um, it's a good exercise. And I think that's probably going to be the thing that really gets me out of my rut. I hope. Um, one last question. What, what, bit of advice do you have for people that are starting out or people that are trying to get into comics oh man i did it wrong for so long um you know i do like x-men sample stories and stuff and uh whatever and you know try to show it to editors and talk to publishers and all this stuff and never got anywhere and so when i when i finally cracked it i started actually doing what i wanted to do i wrote my own thing I drew my own thing with my own, you know, style and I didn't try to do any kind of house style or anything like that. I just was very honest about it. And uh, the very first thing I did was the thing that uh, got picked up for negative burn for caliber. So that's, you know, after I quit beating around the bush and actually created something, um, that's what worked for me. So, you know, that's always my advice is to just you know, don't try to play somebody else's ball game. Okay. Um, you know, be be yourself and do what you like. 
and somebody it's somebody's going to relate you know somebody's going to be simpatico to that and that's that's what you need you know that's what you need to get started to get in connection with uh you know if you want to get published if you want to get connected with a publisher do something worth publishing all right um do you want to give us a list of uh places you're going to be because you said you're going to be at cincinnati and i will be at cincinnati uh in a week and a half yes um and then in october mid-october i will be at motor city uh as long as motor city still happens which it should i guess um it's a little it's a little late for them to cancel now they could still cancel i don't know about they that. still could they still yeah. could i guess you know we don't know what the heck is going to happen between now and october but that's that's the two shows left on my schedule this year cincinnati and uh, motor city right. and then for uh for 22 i think i will be back at heroes con again Finally, they did not have Heroes Con this year or last year. They've canceled it two years in a row, which is a huge bummer. Uh, but for 2022, I will be back at Heroes Con. And all the regular stuff again, Gem City and Cincinnati and Motor City again, most likely in 22 as well. Cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on here. And uh, I will get this up and ready to go. I do, and uh, I hope to see you. I don't know if I'm gonna make it to Cincinnati, but I still might try to go for uh, Motor City. Hopefully, cool. crossed. Um, we're gonna, like I said, I've, I've in the process of getting a cabin. It looks like up there, so yeah, or visit, hang out in the cabin, and then I can just drive the 20 minutes to. <laughs> there you go. Perfect excuse. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate it, sir. I do, and. Um, Thank you for being on the show. And oh, yeah, man, sure thing. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you got in touch, man. Thank you. Yeah. And it's good seeing you. Like I said, it's been rough, and not be able to see you guys and be able to chit chat with you and here and there. And when I was able to, I was only able to get up there to Dayton for a little bit. So I only got to talk right. to everybody for a few minutes. So right, right. Yeah. So all right, sir. You have a good night. And Great. thanks. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you very much. See ya. All right. Thank you for watching tonight's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. Uh, if you find Andy Bennett is on Facebook. And as always, the, Are you, the Group Therapy Podcast is brought to you by Are You Game, the best comic book collectible store in all Pickle, Ohio, located at 124 North Sunset Drive, Pickle, Ohio, 45356. And you can look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So I am Paul saying good night, and I will see you all next time. Bye.